Well, the the thing is, like, I had, a, I had an amazing time last night. I had a great time today. Um, and I just, you but, know, but I, what's your point? I just, you know, I really respect you. And just, like, <laughs> well, um, I just, you know, it's just like, as as a person, I just, I feel like, the thing is, I feel completely emotionally and physically exhausted. So, um, with. Is that your toast? Uh, uh, Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to that is a podcast dedicated to the deep questions of life that only a creative franchise like The Bachelor can inspire. Steph and G-Jack explore the stories, the drinks, and the bingo card-inducing drama on Cheers to That. Cheers! All right. <laughs> All right, gang, welcome to another rousing episode of Cheers to That. I am Jay Jack. I'm Stephanie. And uh, we're going to dive right into this. So uh, first things first, we've got to talk about the drink of the day. Now, I can't I can't deny it. As part of my, my job, my vocation in life, I'm, I'm always paying attention to what people are drinking. And I couldn't help but notice in Monday's and Tuesday's episodes that I was seeing a lot of red. I was seeing a lot of people drinking red drinks. I saw Christina with a red cocktail. I saw Katie drinking what looked like just a glass of red juice at one point. Uh, I was seeing a bunch of red cocktails at the the Crystal Goose wedding. Are they drinking Shirley Temples? Or just straight up glasses of cranberry juice. I can't even tell. And um, so it got me thinking, okay, a red cocktail, a red cocktail. Now, here's a cocktail that I'm recommending for you guys at home because anyone can make this i don't recommend it for them this is not a great you know sitting on the beach and enjoying a round of avocado toast kind of a drink uh, this is the new york sour several contestants are from new york so we'll just say it's for them okay new york sour is a excellent combination of bourbon sugar lemon and then what gives it its color is a float of red wine if you're interested in making that for you and your friends and impressing your loved ones, uh, check out the link in our show notes and uh, enjoy. All right. Well, it's time to dive into this week's rapid recap. Rapid recap. <laughs> if you had to boil it down to just these key notes for the entire week, they are as follows. Number one, JPJ or John Paul Jones can't eat or drink anything without almost killing himself. This is the second time we've seen him, second, maybe third time we've seen him vomit or almost vomit because of something he ingested. Come on, buddy. Whether solid or liquid. Know your limits. Uh, number two, spaghetti is the ultimate poolside snack we've learned. Or you can just get fully submerged into the pool while eating spaghetti. Uh, number three, Tasha is still not wearing that damn turtleneck she promised to wear. Yeah, your dad's probably watching this, hun. He's not going to pay for your cell phone bill after this. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, number four, Christina's revenge rose from last week is actually a, a friendship rose now. It, did you notice that? I was very confused by this whole dynamic. I think a friendship rose is what you get when you go to prom with your cousin. I don't know. Number five, Haley has the intelligence of a doctor, supposedly. Um, we know this because she says things like more water on the earth than just the earth. Credit where credit is due. I was actually kind of surprised that she knew this. <laughs> uh, number six, 
Uh, here is the, the, the great controversy of our time. Uh, apparently, Colton is a bad kisser. All I could think of was last year at Paradise when Tio was like, use your tongue. Uh, number seven. Dude, producers are really mean to JPJ this week. Uh, they start playing things like circus music when he cries. This is terrible. If you had the music not playing, it would be this really sad, harrowing, terrible breakdown of this guy who's just emotionally wrecked. And instead it was like, isn't he wacky? He has feelings. What an idiot. Uh, Number eight. Guys, Matt Stell was playing guitar. The Matt Stell? I don't know who that is. Number nine, uh, Tasha's margarita and everyone else's margarita, for that matter, looks like garbage. Check the show notes from episode one for an excellent margarita recipe. And um, this last one, this is just a a personal note for me. Um, So John Paul Jones and Derek have that fight at at the wedding. And at the end of every sentence, JPJ ends every sentence with, with Derek, Derek. And S- Stephanie and I are currently re-watching all of The Good Place. And every time he says Derek, I'm thinking, Derek? Derek. 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 So there's no need to watch any other recap shows. That's all I need to know. So let's jump into the hot discussion points for week four. Okay, so I want to start with a, a light one. Uh, this is about <laughs> women's psychology in America. Uh, uh, a nice surface, you know, cocktail party question. Yeah, where's the controversy going to be in that? So um, I want to talk about Katie's conversation with Chris B. before the rose ceremony. I don't want to talk about the dynamic between the two. I don't really care about that at this point. What I found interesting was that when Katie is talking to him, she makes every statement in the form of a question like i want i want to wear shoes and i like tacos and you know you know what i'm talking about yeah that's called up talking and it really makes you sound a lot weaker when it, for example if i were saying what i just said and i said yeah that's called up talk and it makes everything you sa- say sound weaker uh, makes it sound like a question or like you're not sure versus yeah that's called up talk it makes everything you say sound weaker uh, as if it's a question rather than a statement. So this is a behavior that I see almost exclusively in women. Why do you do you think that's a cultural thing? Yeah, I think there may be something at play in, in the way that women try to build consensus and try to get people to agree with them. So they don't want to say things that are unequivocally declarative sentences. And by that, I mean just like statements, like I said, not not questions or not things that are up for debate they want to say things that you know you can you can solicit input from somebody else and get them to to go oh yeah 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 and like then you feel like you're you're part of a group you are um maybe on the right side of history (laughs) you're 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 right in the you've tapped into the the common hive mind about this thing and it, it feels good it feels like you belong because like yeah we all agree about this right and you're sort of asking that right and you're in the way you modulate your voice at the end of words so i mean an observation not that men never want to do that but i i agree with you it is more common in women it, it's just that what i'm what i find is that if everyone in the room is trying to build consensus then they're going to basically be responding to whoever is the strongest voice and kind of orbiting or kind of orienting their position around that. Like either 
either is like yes and or no but you know and so i just think that i think a lot of women and it really depends on their temperament there's lots of women that don't have this problem but like i think a lot of women do that kind of consensus building up talk because they don't want to be perceived as bossy or bitchy and what i find is that if you kind of go into a conversation and go you know let, let's 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 pretend three friends are discussing what they want to do for dinner and everyone's like, I don't know. What do you want? What do you want? And somebody finally says, I want, I would like to have sushi tonight. It gives them freedom to decide they want sushi or they don't want sushi. It, it gives them a place to start so they can actually build a consensus. Like, um, you know, sushi's okay, but I would like, you, you can do all kinds of other rice Asian dishes instead. You can do hibachi or whatever, but, or Korean barbecue, but you can't start unless someone actually begins the discourse of deciding what they want and i find that women really shoot themselves in the foot socially when they just say i don't know unless they really just don't know or don't care that is totally okay but you know what i'm saying yeah although all it makes me think of is an anchorman when they accidentally do a question mark at the end of the teleprompter line and he says i'm ron burgundy yeah there's a teleprompter issue then i guess you get a free pass yeah you gotta read exactly what's there Speaking of Chris Bukowski, ever since he got on this show and they had the little uh, intros on the opening credits, and again, I'm on the record as saying that these are really, really unoriginal. Most of them are like, here I am smiling. But uh, Chris Bukowski has a walker, and um, for all the, you know, flag waving of like, aren't we progressive on this show, um, and, you know, trying to be, trying to be inclusive, trying to be progressive, trying to be feminist um they're actually being a little bit ableist with that walker um you may want to explain that that's not a very popular term no it's not and i'm and this is just and this is not like a big deal but as somebody i'm studying occupational therapy right now and we help people who have disabilities as well as uh other health issues that they need assistance um managing and just getting to uh to a better place in life and uh so we use adaptive equipment like wheelchairs and canes and walkers and uh not everybody who uses a walker is an old person chris um slash bachelor production team so just saying it's not a great look so maybe you guys should think about that but you know consider yourself uh properly chastened by a podcast host you'll never encounter I'm sure this will make a difference. I'm helping. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, it's really funny how Demi and Christian were so, you know, whomped up in the last two episodes, you know, last week. And then the only time you really see them this episode, they had this quick little confrontation because Christian got jealous of JPJ, which is kind of funny. I, did you have any observations about that? Yeah, I- it just felt like she didn't know what show she walked onto because all of, you know, all of America knows that there's no threat there uh, with JPJ. And so it was a little bit, a little bit absurd to see her concerned about that, um, a little bit uncomfortable. But I guess it was maybe a little bit fresh. I mean, we also are seeing this a week apart and it was the next day after she felt like she had been um uh, bamboozled by a heterosexual man moving in on her woman and so right so i guess that uh that perceived betrayal was a little bit um 
still top of mind. But um, yeah, and this is a random aside, but I also, it was when Christian first came on the show, it, it was driving me crazy. I was like, who does she look like? She looks like somebody I've seen on TV. Who is it? And it was driving me crazy. And I, I just, I couldn't think of it. And then finally it hit me. For those of you who watch Survivor, she looks like Cat. Just yeah. wanted to throw it out there. She looks a lot. She looks like she could be Cat's like stunt double or something. Like they look very, very similar. Especially when Christian smiles, she looks a lot like Cat. So, well, I think it's really funny. Is this is kind of what I was upset about last week? Is that I loved how she basically, you know, confronts Demi. There's this awkward fight, and then it's never really quite resolved. It just kind of the the producers just kind of move away go ooh something shiny over there and, and my theory on that is that it's hard to keep up the aren't they brave arc for very long because after the novelty wears off it's just two human beings with the same insecurities and and just bullshit that other couples have the luster wears off really quickly and also as soon as they run out of steam on any kind of drama that they're creating that can you know serve as a storyline they just kind of fade into the distance and just, you know, sort of exist in their own little romantic echo chamber of like, oh, you're so great. No, you're so great. I mean, that's kind of what's happened with uh, Dylan and Hannah. And uh, we haven't really seen Mike and Sydney. They just all kind of, if they're if they're not making drama, they kind of fade into the background to make room for more crazy people. That, that's the one thing about Bachelor in Paradise that actually, in my opinion, mirrors real life is that healthy relationships are kind of not very interesting. Yeah. Like if they're if they're getting along, if they're talking and making good decisions, it's actually not a lot of drama. It's not really noteworthy. It's like, yeah, we we made dinner and we watched TV and we had some friends over and then I went to work and he went to work and then, you know. And we went to the flea market and we couldn't decide whether we were going to get this coffee table or like this ottoman. And we're like, we only have $45 and he's charging 70. And it's just like, (laughs) I, I'm boring myself with this story. And then we went, went grocery shopping and you know, he doesn't like zucchini. (laughs) Yeah, real real happy couples are, are pretty boring, and they are on this show as well. Life imitating art imitating life. It's so, so, it's so meta. This it's show is so meta. way, way deeper than the media gives it credit for. But yeah, it's like Hannah and Dylan are boring. Mike and Sydney are boring. And ultimately, so, so is Demi and Christian. <laughs> well, and like I said before... She seems like a nice person, but uh, we're already starting with Christian being kind of a boring person. So Demi's zany levity only uh, only goes so far in, in making their relationship pop on screen. All right, when you hear that song, that means it's Bachelor Bingo time. That's right. It's such a great and popular part of the show that it has its own segment now, or at least this week. We'll find out. All right, so... Once again, if you're playing bingo with us, you can always grab that bingo card on the show notes for next week's episode and play with us. And if you're playing with us this week, here are the squares that got crossed off. Episode 7 on week 4, drinking tequila in any form. Derek threw a straw while buried in the sand with only his head showing. Misusing the English language, JPJ says he has an establishment when he means to say that he's established. Uh, using the word stagecoach, 
Uh, there's a Blake ITM while Taj Juan enters. Blurred body part, that's Taj's mouth while cussing in an ITM. Spontaneous toast, JPJ uh, during the Taj Juan date. Sunburn, uh, JPJ looks pretty sunburned uh, by this time in the show. Dancing, also on the JPJ date. Kissing in water, that's also the JPJ date. It gets all the boxes ticked off. Wells giving advice. There's a conversation between Demi and Wells and Kaylin. Uh, they're talking about Dean. Medical emergency. Taj has a meltdown on the beach and uh, asks for guacamole instead of water. Sobbing. Uh, Taj crying to Jen and also talking about how hot it is. DIY date. Caitlin invites Blake to a dance before the rose ceremony. Exercise on the beach. Uh, JPJ does cartwheeling on the beach. Uh, love Polygon, that's JPJ, Haley, and Tajwan. Lying to someone's face. Blake to Caitlin saying he'd give her the rose. Uh, shocker, he doesn't. Breaking up a couple. Derek gives the rose to Tasha. And Harrison says dramatic right at the end of the episode with a preview of the next episode. If you're going on to episode 8 of week 4, here are the squares. Uh, breaking up a couple. Dean immediately breaks up with Kaylin after giving her the rose because he's a champ. Sobbing. Kaylin after that breakup. Body part blurred out. Chris B during an ITM. Love Polygon. JPJ, Derek, and Tasha. The phrase, right reasons. Mike during an ITM during that wedding invite. A cameo from past leads and past contestants. I don't have to even mention this. You were at the wedding too. Mentioning a successful couple. Dylan in an ITM after the ceremony. Sunburn. JPJ is still sunburn. It's the next day. A shouting match. Derek and JPJ during that fight at the wedding. The word stagecoach being used. Chase making fun of Blake. <laughs> that was really funny. A spontaneous toast. Kaylin on her date with Connor. Uh, bad kissing. Connor has a bunch of shit in his teeth during that Kaylin date. That was fun. Lying to someone's face. Nicole tells Clay she isn't worried. Uh, guess what? She's worried. And wouldn't you believe it, the one time I didn't put the word Instagram in the list, it gets finally used uh, during that amazing Demi moment where she's making fun uh, <laughs> of Kaylin and Connor uh, while the credits roll. Alright, those are the squares for this week. We look forward to playing with you next week. So, uh, another interesting observation I had was um, when when Dean, I think this is before the breakup, or during the breakup, I lost track. Dean and Kaylin are talking, and Dean saying, Dean is saying things like, he doesn't want to be tied down, and, and this, is, this is the list of things he says he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to go to dinner parties and talk about feelings like that. That is the observation. That is what being tied down means. And those two things are very different. It's like saying, I don't want to go get my car washed and also practice Buddhism. You know, it's like, what? It was, it's like, it's like. Uh, They're on very different levels of intensity. It, 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 I thought it was almost, almost a Freudian slip because if you look at the whole, this is just me being speculative. If you look at the whole Dean arc from beginning to end, we're looking at Rachel's season, okay? The really ugly situation that happened in Rachel's season was that we got to see his 
his family back home. And it was kind of ugly because the production kind of portrayed it like, oh, what a kooky, crazy family. But you actually saw some real baggage with Dean and Dean's father. And I can't help but think of that when I think of him, A, being really uncommitting and kind of ugly and kind of a fuck boy in the last season with Christina and then doing it again with Kaylin where he's like, this is getting too real and I want to go live in my van down by the river and grow my mustache out and eat government cheese. And lest we forget, he was also on Bachelor Winter Games where he was involved with Les- was it Leslie. I think her name was Leslie. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Seemed like a really nice girl. And he pulled the stunt of fake proposing to her with his house key. Oh, yeah. Um, on the after show. And it was like kind of funny, but it was also sort of like, this is weird that you would. I don't know. I just wonder if there was a moment where Leslie went like, oh, my gosh, is he? Oh, oh no, he's being funny. Well, it's like the whole Chandler Bing thing where it's like, ha ha, I deflect with humor. So I don't have to be you know, that, you know, that whole thing. It's, it's almost like a caricature of that whole trope with the Friends show. Yeah. And he, even on Rachel's season, there was all that stuff that was very vulnerable and very uncomfortable, but he also had a one-on-one date with her, I think in France or something. I can't remember, but they're sitting there and he's like, what's your favorite dinosaur? And I was like, come on, man, like be an adult, but he's not very good at it. He, uh, he admitted in this episode, he's not very good at dating, but he's also just not really good at being an adult. Sorry, buddy. It's it's really sad, and I, I can't help but feel like just because I've seen some pretty intimate parts of his life on TV, and of course, I'm only seeing what's what's shown me by the, the producers, I know, but just based on that, it's hard for me to not think, oh, he's got daddy issues and family issues that are that we're seeing in real life manifesting in, in kind of an arrested development situation with these relationships. And what's weird is you're seeing it as kind of a theme through this whole show, this whole season it's it you see it with Blake and you and you're seeing it unfortunately I'm bummed out you saw it with Clay cuz then Clay was being so weird and wishy-washy and non-committal like he, he says in that whole weird almost fake confrontation with Angela where she's like all I wanted was for you to be happy that's all I ever wanted which sounded so convincing um he said he was saying that he can't commit to her because he was trying to get back into his NFL career. And I'm thinking the, those are not mutually exclusive things. You can be an NFL you can be a professional football player and be with her at the same time or not be in the NFL and be with her. it's not it's not You a don't mu- know, she might have been insisting that they go on dates during practice. Or it's just really it's just really bizarre. You know, I feel like there's this common trend, this common belief, or this this common behavior in in our culture with with my generation that basically you can't marry someone, you can't be serious with someone until everything is just right. You have to own a house first. You even have to sometimes even have kids with these people first, and you have to have your career just so, and then you get married. And it's like. Look, dude, it's it's not a mutually exclusive thing. What's cool about getting married when you don't have all your ducks in a row is that you get to make ducks together. You can have your very own duck house. <gasps> we get to have ducks. Surprise. I'm so excited. I love ducks. But like, you know, um, we haven't talked about this yet. 
uh, on the show, but Stephanie and I are a married couple. Aw. And look, dude, we're seven years in, and our first year or two was a mess in terms of our finances, in terms of what we were doing for a living, in terms of, I mean, our house was junk. Shout out to my friends on the 1099 forms. What? Contract workers. Represent. Working at casual dining restaurants. Woo. Ow, ow. Doing that part-time tutoring, y'all. I'll be right back with those cheddar biscuits, ma'am. So, um, and guess what? You get to do all that stuff together. It's, it's just this weird. I feel like my entire generation has this, this commitment phobia where it's like, I think it just boils down to FOMO, really. It just boils down to, if I'm with this person, that means I can't be with this other fictitious unicorn person in my head that surely will show up and manifest because I asked the universe for it to happen, you know, five or six years from now. Well, it really made me sad, honestly, for Kaylin, because I remember even back in Colton season when she was being accused of not being that serious about him, The one of the accusations, I think Tasha said, actually, was like, well, I heard you talking about, oh, I'm going to slide into Dean's DMs. So even back then, she was thinking about Dean. And so this has really been built up in her head. And that's just something I, I keep thinking about when I'm watching this relationship and seeing the just flash of terror every time he says something that makes her doubt him. And she's just so insecure about this whole relationship. And I mean, whole relationship it was a couple of days. But still, like, she was, she never was comfortable in this and was trying to she was trying to like power it and propel it from a a generator of positive thinking and wishful thinking really and it just made me sad I mean I've been in that position before where you're like oh if I can just like with blunt force of my will make this person like me because the reality is if he liked her enough it wouldn't matter that she wants to go have you know go on double dates and have dinner parties with him um he just liked the the lure of the open road and falling asleep near a waterfall more than he liked her and that would be really hurtful and so i I really kind of felt for her actually it's just that no matter no matter how long you wait and no matter what relationship you're holding out for you're still going to deal with the awkward stuff you're still going to have to meet the parents you're still going to have to deal with finances together it's never going to be easy so like just I just, I just wish people in my generation would just get over this. It's a really unhealthy uh, behavior, and it leads to a lot of unnecessary breakups and a lot of unnecessary waiting. You know, people finally getting it together when they're in their late 30s, they didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I wanted to say also that I think that even if Dean did get into a committed relationship with Kaylin, yeah, maybe it would be a bummer to do some of these more conventional things that she probably really would want him to do. Like she would want him to do dinner parties and um, whatever. Well, what's but, wrong with dinner parties? I know I love dinner parties, <laughs> but you know maybe. Oh, I have to sit down and eat food and drink with alcohol. people I enjoy. Um, I mean, maybe, but maybe we're just really basic and conventional. I don't know, but. The reality is there's a lot of really rewarding parts of being in a relationship with somebody beyond just those things that you think of as being cliches. And you only get them if you stick around. Right. And you only get to be with someone else if you sacrifice a little bit of that. Well, if I could just like summit this mountain and if I could just go to these hot springs or whatever kind of like Instagram 
thing people get in their heads like I just want I just want to escape I just want to adventure and it's like okay well those are all really good things but there's also so many wonderful rewards about being with someone you love uh beyond just the adventures that you can have by yourself and that's my that's my romantic comedy moment (laughs) you know I ran across the bridge and I hopped into a taxi and then I uh jumped across seven puddles to tell you this that you're worth more than the adventure I was chasing after, babe. You had me at puddles. All right, so um, uh, this is a really funny pattern I'm seeing this season is that the Monday episodes, A, they get way more bingo scores. They're also way more interesting than the Tuesday episodes. Are you noticing this? I don't know what you're talking about. That wedding was great. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about the wedding now, don't we? Yeah, that that had to have been the most confusing forty five minutes of television. I I just like for one thing, I'm thinking surely they're having this fake wedding now, and they'll have the real wedding with their actual family after this. Like, although we- I wonder because we did see a lot of people, especially in the wedding parties, who we've never seen before. Which means, you know, with the exception of Christian, who I don't think was was she there? Yeah, I guess she was there. With the exception of Christian, all these people we've never seen before were probably their family and friends who were not involved with the show in any way, although they could have been producers. What if they were producers? They're, they're all producers, especially that girl with the blonde dreadlocks. Especially the uh, especially the 60-something-year-old woman who looked a lot like Chris. I think she was totally a producer plant. That was, counting that woman, which I'm pretty sure is his mom, I think I saw maybe seven or eight people there that weren't part of the show at some point, which means... This has to be just a complete, you know, paper mache wedding, and they're going to actually have their actual wedding with an actual officiant who isn't Chris Harrison. Yeah, I was wondering if Chris Harrison is actually qualified to solemnize anything. Well, he says, by the power invested in me, blank, blank, blank. He never actually says anything. (laughs) By the power invested in me. By ABC. Just because I said it. (laughs) De facto. (laughs) It's a lot of power. and go to your head. I will say that Crystal looked amazing. The dress was beautiful. Her hair looked good. Her makeup looked amazing. She just looked so pretty. She looked like Bridal Barbie, which I realize is not like a real cultural touchstone for you, most likely. But for me, I was like, yes, girl. So let's talk about the the ceremony itself. Um, I have a really hard time with the personalized vows. There was a lot of talk about the dogs. And but I love dogs. Doggy, but- doggies and dancing. And I'm thinking they they may have danced once that one time. And that's like their touchstone for their entire wedding. Doggies and dancing is my favorite Saturday night mixer. <laughs> uh, At the park, please bring your own bags. <laughs> so the problem with the uh, made up, not made up, <laughs> not made up. The, the problem with personalized vows that I see a lot is that there isn't actually a lot of promising. There's just a lot of, I will be there. And it, it, it all comes out, it comes out very like hags, very, you know, have a great summer, you know, it just comes very out. Very yearbook. Like for all the times we've had that were times that we had together, we will have more times and I will make sure they're together with you because 
I love our times together. <laughs> all the coffee and all the petting the dogs and all the going to the farmer's market and getting brunch. Maybe you, you're saying my vows that I said to you. I really <laughs> wish you wouldn't share that with everyone right I guess, now. I guess we're just going to work this out right here, right on this podcast. <sighs> so um, I, I know the sentiment is there. I know they mean. It's just you never actually say what you are vowing to do in these things. They never actually go... When you are, here's the thing about, about being married. It's like, it's like when you are sick, when I don't really want to be around you, when I'm tired, when we are in financial dire straits, I will still be with you. That, that is what the vows mean. It means in sickness and health, in, you know, in times of want and times of plenty, that's what the vows are for. But it's always, it's always, I don't know. So I, I'm sure, I mean, she was very emotional at that moment. I'm sure. I'm sure it was real. It's just this this common thing I see all the time, and it's it drives me bananas. Cream pudding. And honestly, I was just I just realized, or I just thought about this, the the personalized vows that are kind of just speeches really would be better as toasts. Like a lot of that, that's like telling a story and telling anecdotes and that kind of stuff is great for a toast. They love toasts on the show. Well, yeah. So if you're gonna do a wedding toast, you're just gonna be like. You know, remember all these times that this and that and like that was so great. And I hope we have more of those times that that's an appropriate setting. But making a vow, it's a delicate art and people really get a little buck wild with it. And it's uh, they get a little out there. Sometimes the promises, if they do promise something, it becomes way too specific. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember reading that Jennifer Aniston promised to make Brad Pitt his favorite banana milkshakes, which is like. Can, is that something you can really promise? <laughs> what if he wants a banana milkshake at like three in the morning and you're really tired? Like, are you going to break your vow and not make him a banana milkshake? Honey, you vowed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Maybe uh, that was their downfall. I don't really know. That, that, that's why That's why you picked Angelina. Angelina will make those banana milkshakes. I, I don't know. But let's, let's Google this afterwards. So um, now... The cocktail hour. This is where it becomes kind of a shit show for me. And I'm like, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that they have a real wedding back in California or whatever it is. She's from San Diego. I don't know if that's where they live, but pretty close to Mexico. So it wasn't that big of a jaunt. Yeah, well, I'm hoping because everything that happened at the cocktail hour and the reception seemed to be like orchestrated by the producer and it had nothing to do with Crystal or the goose. I was uh, very confused how they chose the people who went to the like one like 12 person table afterward or eight person. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Who who invites people to a cocktail hour and says, all right, uh, duck, duck, goose. You get to go in and you don't kind of thing. It's just super confusing. It was very confusing, especially to me, because maybe I'm missing something. But how do they know Mike? Like Mike seems like a super cool guy and I would totally invite him to my party. But uh, pretty sure there were people on the beach or among that group who had actually been on the show with either of them and hung out with them in person. And it was like, Mike, what? Yeah, I think half the people that are invited into the actual reception had nothing to do with either one one of them. So it it seemed like such a producer's choice. Like, and, and also too, like, you can come, but not the person that you're actually dating right now that you want to come with you. It's just who would actually do that? So I, I, man, I just really, it just seemed like a really sloppy choice on the producer's pick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who was the guy with the man bun, by the way? He looked like he was ready 
to party. Uh, he looked like he would totally fit in with this crowd. Can we bring him on? Can he be like the male counterpart of Christian? Like, here's this random guy with a man bun who looks like he would happily hook up with half the cast. Actually, I think he's the next lead. Yeah, he could step on he could step on Blake's toes. It'd be great. I think he's like the brother of someone. Like, I don't know, but some of the girls took notice, and I I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, well, they're breaking all the rules anyway by being Christian. I might as well just bring him on too. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a it's a real opportunity. A fun thing about this wedding that, of course, we got to enjoy was seeing boring Chase uh, come back, <laughs> just sitting there, sort of half glaring into the middle distance, not contributing anything. Bless him. Uh, also, we got Connor. Sweet, sweet Connor. Sweet, sweet Connor. Con- yeah, so, um, but yeah, so Connor, I, I'm going to break this down. I, I, I was really trying to get his unique voice down. I, I think it has to do, it's, I think it's all about the underbite. So just, you know, do this with me. Okay. We're going to try, we're going to try this. I mean, cause the, cause doing a JPJ and doing a Connor, there's, there's a lot of nuance there, but. At first glance, it can sound like the same thing. Yeah, so I, th- I think the key difference is if you're going to do JPJ, you have to do kind of a kind of a Beavis and Butthead style laugh, kind of a <laughs> Can you do that with me? <laughs> oh, you're very good at that. So um, I've been practicing. So that's the <laughs> good. Um, so that's the that's the the key signature that it's JPJ and not uh, Connor. Also, but, he, he, I'm noticing he, he he talks with his diaphragm kind of. He does. He projects. I think he's. I think he was a theater kid. I'm getting that from the whole Romeo soliloquy and the fact that he he really does sort of project uh, to the back wall to the to the last row of the audience, as it were. Um, but the last audience. The the last row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Do this with me. So for Connor, okay. get get JPJ in your mind. We we still want that sort of like Valley Boy, yeah. Um, cadence that um, that vocabulary that that sort of vibe. But mm-hmm. I need you to also push your bottom, like your your bottom teeth forward. Kids, you can try this at home with yeah, us. Yeah, we're we're working on this. So, and then I, I want I want you to say something. Ooh, but, uh, okay. So I want you to say. Hey, my name is Connor, but do it without breathing at all when you say it. Hey, my name is Connor. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, not not only do not only do you not <laughs> breathe and not pull your teeth back, but like uh, you have to like use really use your lips. Use like. You're doing it much better than uh, uh, yeah. No, that's better. You're getting it. I just like you know. I I use post-it notes to show yeah. how I feel. And if you're gonna say yeah, you need to start it with the M sound. Yeah. So it's not yeah. yeah it's he has that kind of fishy kind of yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's yeah. It's not. It's not yeah. It's yeah. 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 I don't get it. Why do people I like don't, him? He, he is not. I mean, he's if you if you have your sound off, he is pretty attractive. <laughs> but the voice ruins it. It's there, just, there's this. It's tough. There is this thing with with vocal fry in this show. Okay, vocal fry being the kind of thing where it's like you just kind of. Uh, well, you don't breathe, and because JPG has it. Call, um, you know what really has it, and no one's been calling around on it is Hannah G. Hannah G has vocal fry for days. She's like, 
I just want, I just want. I think the worst vocal fry I've seen on this show was Lauren B., the winner of Ben Higgins' season. Mm. She sat, at, she she would sit in the hot tub and be like, I, I'm just like really. Actually, the other Lauren B., weird. It must be a Lauren B. thing. Um, the other Lauren B. who ended up with Ari. I love that. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, well, if it was Connor, it would have to be. I love that. Sometimes what you're looking for is right in front of you. I just feel like people do it because it makes them sound thoughtful. But it's like, dude, just breathe. Oxygen is important, gang. Like, breathe it. You will sound more confident. Don't use up talk and up talk and use your breathing. And you will get that promotion and you'll get that girl, everything you wanted because you listened to our show and that made all the difference. And if you don't get all those things, at least you'll get oxygen to your brain. It's important. <laughs> that, that can only help. All right, gang. Well, that was um, two two-hour episodes and honestly not a lot going on. A lot of crystal geese, uh, a lot of drinking crappy-looking margaritas. And uh, a lot of Taj Wong going, oh my god, it's so high. So, um. I did very much enjoy her struggles with the heat. It's, it's a real bummer that we didn't actually get to see her intro segment for the next. She, she was only on one episode. It could have just been her fanning herself and just pouring sweat and going, ah! While eating chips and guacamole. Uh. Well, it's a it's a it's a real bummer, a real missed opportunity. Uh, but you know what? We're gonna press on. We'll catch you guys next week when the drama continues on Paradise. Until then, if you're enjoying the show, there's a couple things we'd love from you. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you go on iTunes, rate us and review us, give us five stars. Just be generous. It's a you know, it's the Paradise spirit. And if you have any friends at all who are enjoying the show with you. Pass this along. It's it's really word of mouth and community that really builds these shows. And so we love, um, you know, snarking and kind of hate watching and just making fun of the whole thing and, you know, delving into the big questions along with you. So thank you for those of you who've been listening for these last four episodes. It's been a real pleasure uh, being a part of it so far. And if you share, you'll have the unique pleasure that we have which is discovering which of your friends are into the Bachelor franchise and the level of embarrassment they have about that. It's pretty entertaining. It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a confession of shame. Like, yeah, me too. Anyway, well, thank you guys. Thanks for being a part of it with us. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers.